0: Hello, welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. I thought this week it would be fun to do something a little different. I had my friends send me questions to answer. Um, I asked them to send me questions of things that they just thought it would be fun to hear me answer, and also things that maybe they didn't even know about me. So I have a fun list. We'll see what they asked me. It's all random. I. Haven't really looked over it. I skimmed it, um, so we'll see what's in there. But first, I wanted to share something with you that I've been doing um, pretty much every year for I don't know as long as I can really remember. I my birthday was last Thursday, November fifth, and for me, the new year is always on my birthday. Um and so every year on my birthday I sit down and I write out my goals of what I want to accomplish in this next year. I reflect on the year before, what worked for me, what didn't work for me, what I liked, what I didn't like, all the things. And then I adjust and see where's my head at this year? What do I really want to be doing? All the things. But I have kind of a formula that I work with when I do this and I find it to be really helpful. And so I thought sharing it since the actual new year is coming up pretty quickly. For anyone else who is goal setting, this might be a good approach for you to try. I find it really works for me, and um, I'm going to tell you why. So basically what I do is when I'm setting a goal, I write down the full list of all my goals, big, small, career, personal, whatever. I get the whole list out. then with each goal, I write out like the best case scenario for that goal. And then I also write out the worst case scenario for that goal. Every single thing about why it's the worst case. And then what you do from there is you talk yourself out of why that's not true. So let me give you an example. This is one of the ones that I wrote for myself for this coming year. So my goal for this coming year, one of them is that I want to wake up between 6 and 6.30 a.m. every weekday morning. I want to use that time to work out, to shower, to meditate, to journal, have a cup of coffee, tea, whatever, and just really focus on setting the tone for my day. I have a morning routine currently. It's not that structured, but I found recently that I just have gotten in this really bad habit of when I wake up, I check my email, I respond to people, I just start working and then I get so into that that I'm like, ah, I don't have time to work out today because my mind's already so in work and it just, I don't feel grounded throughout the day when I do that. I don't feel like my head's in a clear space and so I really wanted to make that a priority for myself. So wake up between 6 to 6.30 a.m., Workout, shower, meditate, journal, have coffee, set the tone for my day. That's the goal. That's like the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, I wrote, I wake up, but I can't get myself out of bed. I get distracted on my phone. I feel too tired to work out. I have too many things to do that take priority over this and the list goes on. So those are all the worst case scenarios. So now basically what I've done is for each of those worst case scenarios, I've talked myself out of why it's not true and why it won't happen. So I said, when I give myself a clear why behind what I'm doing, it adds to the motivation of creating the goal in the first place. Action inspires motivation. The more that I do this, the more I will want to do it every day. If I'm too tired to work out, then I know that's a signal I need to go to bed earlier. Nothing's more important than my health. Nothing needs to come before my health ever. Um, If I think that I'm going to get stuck on my phone or something like that, I'll put the phone in the other room and I won't look at it until I finish working out. I've found that if I bribe myself to do things, I get them done. So for a while, when I was just not in the mood to work out, I usually really do want to work out every morning. But once in a while I go through a phase where I'm just like, uh, eh, don't feel like doing this. I was scheduling a workout every morning for myself. And I told myself, if you don't get up and do this workout, then you don't get coffee for the day. It seems kind of ridiculous and small, but I love coffee. And the thought of me not giving myself coffee made me work out every day. And so I've just found that to be super helpful. And it really has helped me get in the habit of doing a lot of things. Um, The working out is one of them. So if your goal has something to do with somebody else, for example, that it's not solely just on you committing to yourself, like mine was to wake up at 6am. Nobody cares if I wake up at 6am besides myself. But if you have a goal that has something to do with someone else, for example, maybe in your career, you're wanting a raise. Let's just say that's the example. You want in this next year, you want to get a raise, but you're not fully believing that it's possible right now. So you're going to do the same thing. You're going to write out your best case scenario. I want this raise. I get the raise. Everybody's happy. Get specific, right? Then write out your worst case scenario. I don't get the raise. They don't think I'm deserving. They don't think I'll ever get a raise. Whatever it is for you that you think are the absolute worst case scenarios, get those out. Then you're going to write out why it's not true. So when it involves somebody else, you really have to bring it back to yourself. So find the areas of where you have recognized that you have done a good job in your in your work. So maybe you pitched something And they used it or you wrote out the email that got sent out that brought in extra sales or You were rewarded for this or your boss gave you a compliment on something find really specific moments where you felt like You did a good job and you validated yourself and it was validated by other people And then you're seeing like look i'm I am worthy people are recognizing the work that i'm doing I do quality work. I take pride in doing my work And then you've kind of talked yourself out of the reason of why you wouldn't deserve a raise because you're like, here's a billion examples why I do deserve it. Look at the good work that I do. So I just thought that was a fun thing to share. I do this every year, like I said. And so I found that it's super helpful and it kind of just shines a light on where you have some limiting beliefs and it really helps you like pinpoint and just talk yourself out of them. Once you really start thinking about it, and for me, if I say it out loud, I'm like, well, that's stupid. Why do I think that? And then it becomes really easy for me to be like, well, of course, that's not true. So try it. Let me know. Um, I think it'll really help. I find that it just completely makes me feel like I can accomplish everything on my goal list for the year, and hopefully it'll help you too. So there's a fun little tidbit of that. But now let's get to the fun questions. (laughs) I, like I said, I really don't know fully what's on this list. I know the first question I pulled out because a number of people asked me the same question. And so I figured I would address it first and then the rest I think are more fun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll honestly see. I have them on this piece of paper right here and I'm just going to go down the list. So the first question, like I said, a lot of people asked me this was that they wanted me to share my story of how I got here to, I guess, this exact moment where I'm sitting. When I'm thinking about this, I'm like, I have done so many weird random jobs and things in my life. I, You guys are in for a, a moment of like chaos and me explaining this. So Grew up dancing. I started when I was five. Loved it. Picked up choreography pretty easily. It came pretty naturally to me. I started uh, expanding, taking different dance classes, and pretty soon I was in like every single dance class. Loved it. When I was in middle school, I got introduced to theater and loved it. It combined dance. With like performing, like it, everything about it was just like, oh my god, this is what I'm meant to do. And so I did um, dance and theater throughout high school. Dance, I did. I was on the dance team. I competed, um, and I also did theater. Um, I did musicals. I was in Anything Goes. Did just like a bunch of random fun things with dance. So that's kind of like the backstory of like the performance side of me i just felt like very like being on stage and in front of people and performing was like just home for me it was never i was never worried about it i never had stage fright it just i felt like was where i was meant to be when i was in let's see i was a senior in high school when I got my first job, like official job. Before that, I had babysat forever. My mom worked at an elementary school and she knew all the parents. And so I would always be asked to babysit for the kids, which I loved, 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 loved. And so I did that. I made a ton of money doing that. Um, My friends always wanted to hang out on the weekends and I was like, I'm babysitting. So then when I was a senior, I had racked up, you have to have like a certain number of credits to graduate. I somehow got very much ahead in credits. I think because for athletics, I did like shared schooling. And so I got um, physical education credits for all of the dance that I had done. And so that put me ahead of credits by quite a lot, I think. And so when I was a senior, I was only in two classes. I had an art class and I think a history class. It was an an AP art history class my senior year. And so I was done with school by 10 a.m. every day. And my parents were like, you have to get a job. Like, you cannot just not be doing things all day long. And so first official job, I worked as a, like, office assistant to my friend's dad. He owned a civil engineering company but his family was really close with my family and his sister was good friends with my sister. And so he kind of like, I think offered me a job. I think he needed the help, but I think he offered me the job. Cause my mom was like, can you give her a job? Like, please, um, get her out of this house. So that's, I ended up working there. I learned so much at that job. I have such an appreciation for like when I see a stop sign, I know what amount of work went into getting that stop sign put into place because I did it so many times. Um, I learned a lot about like the grades of roads and um, how wide they have to be and how wide a bike lane has to be and just like very random information. But I also learned a lot about like office management and answering phones and running errands and things like that. And so super grateful for That job, um, I look back at it now and I'm like, that was one of my favorite jobs. Every Friday, I remember I would go get ice cream for the office and we would just have like a little ice cream party. It was fun. From there, graduated. I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. I have a degree in marketing. I went into that because I was super into fashion also while I was in school. I thought it would be fun to be a stylist. Learned the hard way, that that is not the job for me. I interned and then worked for Nickelodeon uh, while I was in school for a styling. uh, As a stylist, they had an in-house styling office at the time. It doesn't exist anymore, but we essentially would dress the kids on the shows for any sort of press that they did. We did the Kids' Choice Awards. If they had upfronts when they were going to New York to talk about their shows, we did that. Um, if they booked commercials, I remember um, Jeanette McCurdy booked a. She was shooting a campaign with Birds Eye. They are um, like a vegetable company, frozen veggies. We dressed her for that. It was always just like very random things, and at first, it was so much fun but the amount of time that you spend in a mall doing returns was miserable. It was it was awful. I I was like this is not it for me. This is absolutely not the job. But I did work for them for a while. I worked I interned while I was in school and then after I graduated I worked for them for I think maybe 9 months before Viacom who owns Nickelodeon, they dismantled that um styling department in the company. And then from there I was like I don't know what I'm doing. When I graduated, I was super depressed. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I was supposed to do.
1: It was I mean, I didn't even want to leave my apartment. I would get up, I would make oatmeal, I would go to the gym and I would come home and like
0: pretty much be in bed the rest of the day. I I was not well at the time. I just felt like very lost, very confused. I didn't feel like fashion was the direction for me. Styling was a big no. I was just like miserable and I was still in LA at the time and most of my friends that I had met in school had decided to Go home. I think almost all of them. And so I was like, here I am in this huge city, and I don't know a single person. And I just, I don't know. I had no direction for a while, and it wasn't fun. It was scary. I think I was scaring my parents a little bit. It was just, yeah, it was rough. And I knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to get into acting again. I missed it. I missed dance. I missed performing, but I was super scared to tell my family because here I had just spent time going to school for marketing and working in fashion. And I wanted to be like, yeah, I don't think that was for me. There was a lot, there was a lot going on at the time with the depression and, um, I was, yeah, I was just scared to tell them. And so I remember, I remember having the conversation and it didn't go very well. And I was like, look, like I will find a job in fashion, but I, and do it for a while, but that's, I'm not gonna keep this, whatever job it is. Like, it's just not gonna be for me. And so that was, that was pretty much like, what made them be like, okay, you can like, you can pursue acting if you think
1: that's what you want, but you need a job. And I was like, okay. So I ended up
0: getting, I was really close to getting this job that I actually really did kind of want at the time. It was for a new clothing company. I can't even remember the name of them, but they had a blog as part of their company with like a pretty big, um, readership and they needed somebody to do copywriting for them. And I feel like writing has always come pretty easily to me. Everybody in my family sends me emails and stuff to proofread before (laughs) things get sent. So I, I was pretty confident about it. And then I made it to the final two. I knew it was between me and this one other girl for this position and they gave it to her. And I was just like, what the heck, you know? And so I ended up getting a job at Abercrombie at the flagship store at the Grove
1: in Los Angeles. And let me tell you, that was, I think, the worst job I've ever worked. It was awful. And so the other thing, hold on, I've missed
0: a whole section. Part of the reason I wanted to go into fashion, my mom owned a clothing boutique when I was growing up. And so I would go with her on the buying trips when she went to market in Vegas. Sometimes she'd come to LA, but it was usually Vegas. I'd help her buy for spring, summer, winter, fall, style the store, window displays, all that jazz. I was like, I'm good at this. you know. So that was like a big thing for me with fashion. So getting the job at the Grove, I was like, I know retail. This is a piece of cake. I did not know retail in like a corporate widespread franchised, whatever you want to call it, um, company. It was
1: miserable. And the
0: funny thing is, I think I only worked there for five months. I could, I couldn't handle it. And the funny thing is though, is that during those five months that I worked there, so many people filed lawsuits against Abercrombie. That to this day, I still get random checks in the mail for being like, you're being compensated for whatever um, from this lawsuit from whatever years that I happen to have been at that store. So it's always nice when I end up with like a check randomly from them. So I will say that that was the bright side of that job. (laughs) Um, And so then from there, I started taking acting classes. I used a connection that I had made when I was working at Nickelodeon. Uh one of the girls on a show highly recommended an acting coach to me. I started going to her regularly a couple times a week. Found people my age, started making friends, and I was loving it. I was like, "Yes, this is this makes me happy. This gets me out of bed." And so that was kind of a turning point for me and like my mental well-being, I think, was when I found this acting coach in this, in this friend group. So I quit Abercrombie right around the holidays and I'm sure they were not happy about that. Seasonal retail is like not a joke. Went home to Colorado for Christmas and New Year's came back and applied for a job. We moved at the time I was living in downtown Los Angeles and we ended up moving to studio city. And so I was trying to find a job closer to where our apartment was in studio city. And so I ended up getting a job at urban outfitters and I worked there for hmm, maybe two years or so it was great. It was super close to the house. I didn't love the job really at all, Um, but it was way better than Abercrombie, way better than Nickelodeon. And I kind of was just like falling into a groove with acting. I signed with an agency. Um, Everything was going great at the time. And then I kind of felt like, the hours that I was being given at Abercrom or at Urban Outfitters just wasn't really working for me. And I wanted to put more time into like really learning the, um, entertainment industry. And so the coach that I had been working with, she was also a manager. She managed a handful of clients and she was needing help in the office. And so I kind of became her assistant and, I worked for her for, I don't know, also maybe a year and a half, two years. I learned so much from her because one, I watched her coach clients all day long. And two, I saw how she ran her business as a manager, what she did for her clients, how she was pitching them, how she talked to the agents. Um, It was just a really eye-opening experience for me. I was helping her you know on the back end submitting clients for roles and uh scheduling auditions and approving auditions and all the things and if somebody booked something what went into that and seeing like the contracts and so that i felt was
1: just invaluable information and and i was like cool i think i i think i kind of know
0: The direction I want to go in this business. I feel good about things. And then she was moving, I think, and needed just a lot of extra help. And it just wasn't really aligning with what I was looking to do. I was actually looking to cut hours at the time because I wanted to focus more on my acting career. I was getting auditions. I still wanted to do class at night. And so we kind of ended up going our separate ways. And at that time I was like, I remember having a conversation with my dad saying, I really miss kids. Like I'm not around kids at all anymore. I would love to, you know, babysit somebody once in a while. And a week later, my dad met a client and they were like, my picture was in my dad's office. And somehow they got started talking about me and he had said, yeah, my daughter's in Los Angeles. And they were like, oh, we have a, we have a friend who just moved out there. Does your daughter ever babysit? Because I know she's looking for some help. She's a, she's a single mom. And it literally like the pieces just fell in place with that. I ended up nannying for her for years And um, she lived five minutes from me and it just was this like ideal situation that came about for me. And so while I nannied, I auditioned. I auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and auditioned and took class. I booked things here and there. It was just like this very long road, but the The thing that was interesting too about nannying for this family was her kids were also in the industry and her oldest had booked a lot of stuff and he worked pretty frequently. And so then I got to learn the industry through that perspective from a kid and I would take him to set. We would go to Jimmy Kimmel and you know whatever the heck he was booking that week, I was there. So that was also fun. And I met a ton of people just doing that. And so I then at some point ended up with a manager. From there, I don't know, things kind of blur together because I feel like I've been doing the same thing in that like cycle for a while up until
1: this pandemic, which I know I've touched on before. But um, I was just feeling like, I think a little um, just down about like, why hasn't this worked out for me yet? You know, if I was really meant to be doing this,
0: maybe this would have happened already. And I
1: was just questioning things.
0: And I was still nannying at the beginning of this year. The oldest had booked a movie and it was a, it's a big movie. And I was taking him to set every day. And I met all these people and we were on set all day long. and. At first I was like this is amazing like this is an incredible experience like holy moly. And then as it went on I was just like there's things about this that I don't love. There's things about it that I really really love but there were a lot of things that I also really really didn't love and it was kind of like this I don't know like stomach ache almost that I was like what do you mean? What do you mean? This might not be it. And I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't know. Um, and then we went into quarantine and I had literally been on set with him the day before quarantine started. I remember it was pouring and we were running, running through the, the studio lot in the rain. And, um, I remember at the end of that day, everybody was like, the hand sanitizer was out and nobody really knew what was going on. So, from there is really when like this podcast was born because I had time on my hands. I wasn't nannying because now she was at home with her kids all day long who were doing homeschool. So she didn't need me. And so I was like, I got to figure things out, you know, like I can't do this. And then I also had thoughts of like, if this pandemic goes on for three years, And the industry is completely closed. Like, I can't put my life on hold for three years. Like, I I just can't. And so I started thinking about, well, what could I do and what do I like? And um, it was really kind of born out of this idea that when I was a kid and even honestly still now, although I think this is maybe not as, like, good to say as an adult – like more frowned upon as an adult. But I remember very much as a kid being just fascinated by people and I would, anytime we went anywhere, I was always listening to people's conversations. Always. Like we would go to a baseball game and I didn't care about the game. I cared about the people around me. What were they wearing? What are they talking about? Who are they? What do they talk like? I just, I find people to be so incredibly fascinating. And I think you can learn so much from people and just everybody has such a different experience and outlook on life and background. And it's just, it is mind blowing to me. It's just so fascinating. And I think that also plays into why I wanted to be an actor because I was like, you can be anybody. You can pull from all these people and be a totally new person. So I just have always had this fascination with people and how they choose to live their lives and, you know, listening to conversations. And I really love podcasts. I, al- I always felt like listening to a podcast was like the same, kind of the same thing. I was listening to a conversation that maybe I wasn't supposed to be listening to, but learning so much about people. And that's really kind of where that, where like the podcast bug kind of came from. I then kind of started just tweaking it to be like, Well, what do I feel like the world needs right now, or what would i what do I wish you know somebody was doing for me or my friends, and what am I hearing from them that they wish they had and And a lot of it I think was the idea that during this pandemic a a lot of people that I know were questioning, should I be living here? should I be in this Career path? Should I be with this person that I'm with? Like, I kept hearing it from pretty much everyone. And I was like, well, if everybody's thinking this, maybe people would want to hear about what other people are doing. And maybe it'll spark something from them. Maybe they'll be inspired about a career path that they had never even considered because they heard it on my podcast. And so, I just got to thinking about all the people that I know who have just such different jobs and backgrounds and that I just find to be wonderful humans and interesting and fascinating and that's kind of how this this podcast came about. And the other part of it too was really the fact that I I felt for a long time like I couldn't share my opinion with people um that it was frowned upon that it was You know, people wouldn't take it seriously. Just different things. I I feel like I've silenced my voice a lot, and I think a lot of it had to do with I didn't want to say the wrong thing, especially like in the entertainment industry. If you say, you know, one thing, their casting might only see you one way, and I didn't want to paint a picture in their head that they were never going to get out of. And so I was like, well, if I just don't say anything, how are they going to know anything? And so I think that's where that unhealthy thought pattern kind of started. And so I was like, you know what? Let me step away from this for a minute and let me share some things that I feel like I want to share. And it's been really cathartic actually, but it's also been fun. And I feel like I was missing out on fun. I was so concerned with, getting an audition that I, I had friends who'd be like, let's go on a trip. And I'd be like, I can't go because I was petrified that while I was gone, I would get an audition or book something. And that's not for nothing
1: because every single thing that I've ever booked was because I was out of town or, um,
0: I was out of town or I didn't really care about it. I remember I had one audition that came through. It was at like, they sent it to me at like 7.30 at night and it was due at 8 a.m. the next morning for a self-tape. And what that means is you have to put yourself on tape and send it back to casting. So you have to record this audition yourself and get it back to casting. Nobody is available on that short of notice. Like I had no friends in town. I had nobody to read the lines with me. It was dark. I didn't have lights at the time. Um, And I was just so irritated by the fact that I felt like there was just no regard towards me as a human being and anybody else that they sent this audition to because like people still have lives. Like, I don't know. I just am really big on like, you still have to respect people and their time. This felt like a complete disrespect to my time to me. Anyways, I first considered not doing the audition and being like, you know, forget it. But I was like, you know what? An audition is an audition. It's practice. I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and tape this by myself somehow. Somehow. And so I did. I got up at 6 a.m. I set up my tripod, framed it all on my own. And I had nobody to read the lines with me, like the other person's lines. And so I did the
1: audition completely on my own as a monologue instead of having the other person's lines.
0: And I was I I had no choice. There was no like at that point I was like this is what they're going to get. And I did it. I think I recorded maybe two takes of it and I was like this is what they're getting and I booked it off the tape. And so I think because there was no pressure on it that's the other thing is like I was putting so much pressure on myself. Always pressure. How many auditions are you getting? Are you getting as many as your friends? Are you booking anything? How many holds have you been placed on? You know, like it just became this, like my worth was in everybody else's hands except my own. And that was becoming toxic for me. And I had to really reel myself back and be like, this isn't healthy. Like this is not healthy. Um, And the path you're going down with this does not look good for you if you keep doing this. And so that's kind of how I made the decision to be like, I have to take, take a step back from the acting world. Like, it's just, I'm not in a healthy relationship with it right now. And the comparison game was killing me. Like
1: thinking about it right now is actually like making me super emotional. Um, It was just like It was not healthy, and so as much as like, there's a part of me that still really wants to be doing that. There's there's a much bigger part of me that's like more concerned about like,
0: am I actually happy in life, and. Do I feel fulfilled
1: in what I'm doing, and do I feel like I'm helping people and um that just became more important to me. Oh my gosh, I've talked about this like a
0: billion times, like my friends and family all know this. I don't know why this is making me so emotional, but
1: that's kind of where where I've gotten to like here, so for me, acting is like.
0: I'm not auditioning. I'm not. I'm not in that world right now, and I know I'm like up, like sound upset about it right now. And I, I am like just bringing up emotions. But the day that I made the decision to tell my manager, like, "Hey, I'm stepping out. I'm done with this for a while. I need like a a good break." I felt like I had lifted. 10,000 pounds off my shoulders.
1: Um, It was not easy, but I know it was the right thing to do. And I feel so
0: excited to finally be in control of something for once. I think for so long, like especially in an industry that relies on everybody else to book you for a job, it's
1: so easy to just want to people please and to do everything for them. And now that I have this and it's like I feel like
0: I'm in control of something, I feel so much better. Like I can't even describe to you the difference this has made in my, in just like my mental health. I'm very much somebody who does not like being told what to do my entire life. My mom would tell me, do your homework. And the more she would tell me to do my homework, the less I wanted to do it. It's just, it's always been a thing for me. I do not like being told what to do. And so in the acting world, you're constantly being told what to do. So it's kind of funny that like I thought for so long that that's what I wanted to do. And I'm also not saying that like I will never go back to that industry because there's a good chance that I might. I'm just saying that like my experience lately was not healthy and it's not for the sake of anything anybody else had done. It was just me and where I was at mentally and the self-dialogue I was having with myself wasn't healthy. And so I just needed to remove myself from
1: from the situation for a while to, to get myself in a better place. So that is how irrepressible came about and I picked the name irrepressible because
0: it finally felt like this was something that I couldn't hold back anymore and that I could just be myself with
1: and and nobody was going to tell me to like put a lid on it because it was mine and I was in control of it so
0: that's that story and holy moly that was a long answer um but (laughs) Now you have maybe a better idea of how I got to where I am today. I mean, you
1: know, there's obviously a lot more to it than just that, but that's kind of the gist of it all. All right, now let's move
0: on to like other questions because everybody's going to listen to this and be like, you didn't answer any other question. Um, Okay, let's see what this list contains. Describe your perfect day. Oh, is this like a
1: day, like a weekend or vacation or like a work day? Hmm.
0: I'm going to go with like a combination because I feel like I feel my best when I've accomplished something for the day. Um, so my perfect day would be that I wake up, I work out. Um, I have a chance to meditate and journal for a second. Um,
1: I'll have like coffee. I love coffee in the morning, you guys, like so, so, so much. Um, an almond milk latte is where it's at for me. From there.
0: Hmm. I would love to probably get work done in the morning. I feel like I'm more of a morning person than a night person. Yeah. By the end of the day, I'm usually, my brain doesn't work anymore. So I would use the morning to... Just get some work done. I would have I would love to go out for lunch. I love going to like little cafes, a sandwich or a salad for lunch and like an Arnold Palmer ideal. Um, and then the afternoon would be super fun to like go for a walk with a friend or I love bike rides. I don't have a bike in LA, but I really feel like I should get one. Um, and then just dinner. I would do dinner. I'd probably cook at home. I like to eat dinner at home. Usually. Um, I make a lot of pasta. I make a lot of veggies and like quinoa.
1: Um, (laughs) I love like tacos. What else do I like to eat for dinner? I don't know. I kind of am all over the place with dinner. I eat a lot of things. Um, And then to end the day,
0: always with some TV, something fun and light, Schitt's Creek, um, the Kardashians, something kind of just like
1: that takes me into like a land of somewhere else. That's like lighthearted. Um, that would be my perfect day. Yeah. I love that day. Okay. What is the biggest fear you've overcome? Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I don't know that I have like a lot of fears, but I'm trying to think of one that I've maybe overcome. I think one that I had to learn pretty quickly to overcome
0: was the fear of standing up for myself.
1: I wouldn't do it for a long time. I was a scared. I was scared that if I did, I wouldn't be liked or you know there was just a lot of fears around that and then and then I got to a point I was
0: working at a job where things were just not working out for me
1: the way I was being treated and um I couldn't take it anymore and I stood up for myself and I was like
0: wow this feels amazing and so I think for me overcoming that was more about just like doing it and then the f- the first time is always the scariest with anything, I think. So now that I've done it, it's much easier for me to give people a piece of my mind. And you don't have to be mean about it. Like I definitely not mean about it, but I definitely don't put up with crap um, when it's unnecessary. I don't think crap is ever necessary, actually, now that I say that. Um, next, what is your Starbucks order? <laughs> Who asked me this question?
1: Um... If I am in a coffee mood, I do a blonde roast
0: soy latte grande, always hot. Um, and if I'm not in the mood for coffee, I do a vente green tea lemonade
1: unsweetened with easy ice. I don't like it to get watered down. Um, and that one's good on like a hot summer day. Okay, next. What is something you've never shared with anyone? Uh, I feel like hmm. I feel like most things I've shared with at least someone, I think. But I'll share a story that I think maybe
0: only my parents know. When I was in college, I also interned at I
1: interned at, um, a PR firm, a fashion PR company, which I also thought for a while I wanted to do, let me tell you, they were so incredibly mean the, I think there were three women
0: in the office and basically, so at this PR, uh, firm, what they did was they, represented like designer brands and it was their job essentially to get like celebrities into them for a red carpet or, um, an event or just to be photographed in or whatever. And so there were a lot of high end designers in this company. We did shoes. There were, um, jeans. I remember gowns, kind of everything, jewelry, I think. And there were th- it was a small it was a small PR firm and there were three women who were there in the office every day and then the owners I think were bi
1: coastal, and so they weren't really in the office much. I have never been around anyone who is that incredibly mean and judgmental.
0: People would come to like carriers would come to pick up dresses that they would then deliver to the client or the stylist or whoever it was the second they walked out the door it was ew did you see what they were wearing did you see what her makeup was like did you did you see like just the meanest thing like ugh, her posture was awful like how did she get that job or like lit it, like i couldn't even i couldn't believe the things that they were saying and i also felt super secluded because nobody would talk to me like I thought I was going to go in there and make friends. I did not. And these women, I think I was, I mean, I was 20 at the time, 1920, and they were definitely in their thirties. And I was just like, this is not, um, it's not it. And the thing about this that I haven't told, I think any of my friends was that I think I had been with them for maybe 10 weeks, three months, something like that. and they they were just mean. Oh my god, the other story that I just remembered that they did was like the parking, the parking in LA is just like a nightmare anyways, but like the parking by their building was like a neighborhood. And if you've ever parked anywhere in LA, you know that there's 59 street parking signs that you have to read 10 times over to make sure you're not going to get a ticket. And so One of the first days that I had been there, I had emailed and I said, where do I park? Do you have a parking garage? Is it street parking? Is it meter parking? Let me know. And they were like, yeah, you can park in the neighborhood. The signs say one hour parking, but nobody ever checks back there. So you're good. And I'm supposed to be there for like a full work day. I had no reason to not believe them, right? So I go to work. Park exactly on the street where they told me to park, I come back and I have a parking ticket. It was like seventy three dollars or something, you know, and I'm in college i'm I'm interning for them for free, and I was like, "What the heck? Like they told me I could park here and so that night, I sent them an email, and I was like, "Hey, I parked where you told me to park, but I got a parking ticket. Can you cover this for me since you told me to park here? And they were like, "No um but yeah actually you can't park there and i was like did you literally just do this to torment me i don't know i still don't have an answer to that but anyways the part of this that i didn't share with anybody is that i think about 3 months into this internship i was like this is not it for me no amount of free designer clothes makes this worth it i wasn't getting paid but i was coming home with like designer jeans and clothes like daily um and i was like this just this is not worth it.
1: And I was miserable. My stomach hurt every time I would go there. And I remember the day that this happened, I was organizing shoes. Somebody had dropped
0: off a bunch of shoes that had been pulled for a shoot. And so I was putting them back in their spots. And I was confused about the name of one of the shoes because two of them are very similar and they're in Italian and it's just confusing. And so I asked one of the girls for help and she literally looked at me like I was stupid. And, um, and she was like, just I'll finish this, go do the jeans in the other room. And so I did, and I was in the other room by myself and I left the door open and I could hear them
1: down the hall in the other room talking about me just being incredibly mean about me. And I was like, I, I cannot do this.
0: I cannot do this. And so I, (laughs) this is terrible. I, I put the shoes in the wrong box on purpose because I was so mad. I was like, good luck to them trying to find these shoes. And I grabbed my stuff and I walked in the room and I was like, I have to go. And they're like, oh, you're going to go to lunch. That's fine. And I was like, No, like I'm going and I'm not coming back ever. And I went down the stairs and I walked out. Um, I don't recommend just walking out on a job, but I couldn't stand it. I was miserable. I think I was like making myself sick every time I went there. And it was just, there's just some things that are not worth it. That for me was one. And I was like, I'm done with this. I never want to see you again. Um, And I knew also, I was like, PR is not for me. This is not, it's not for me. Okay. Rant over. Um, (laughs) let's see. Next is what does self-love mean to you? Ooh, I feel like I kind of just explained that in that one, but I feel like self-love is just prioritizing yourself and making sure, making sure you're talking to yourself in the way that you would talk to a friend or, um, a loved one. Like we would never be mean to a loved one. So don't be mean to yourself. And really, just checking in with what you're needing and are your needs met?
1: That's become a big one for me, and I think I'm pretty good at pretty good at it lately. Um, yeah, so prioritize yourself. Describe yourself in three words. Hmm. I would say that I am ambitious, kind. I'm pretty level-headed. Like I'm, I'm pretty level-headed about things. What do you feel your purpose is? I think, you know, I think a lot of people spend
0: like their whole life being like, what is my purpose in life or what is the purpose of life? I don't know if I can pinpoint like I am supposed to have this exact job, but I think that my purpose in life is. Helping people and inspiring people and letting people know that they're not alone and that there's always going to be somebody who relates to them, and just really helping people get on a path in life where they feel like they're their happiest and truest best self. I don't know fully what form that looks like
1: of how I want to go about doing that, but I feel like I feel like that's kind of my purpose. It's just helping others. What's your favorite food to eat? Are we talking like food, food, like a meal or like dessert? I'll give you both. Um, food. I love waffles. My mom makes really, really good enchiladas. Um, I love salad. I think if somebody was like,
0: If you had to live on one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? I would probably pick salad. Um, You can just do so many different things to it. But if we're talking like dessert, candy situation, sour candy all day long, all day long. Give me all the sour
1: Skittles, Sour Patch Kids. Um, Yeah, I'm addicted. I can't have it in the house because I just, I, I eat it all so quick. Halloween this year was, I mean... I eat so much candy. Oh my gosh, I eat so much candy. <laughs> what do you do to
0: stay healthy after I just said how many sour skittles I eat? Um, food, supplements, et cetera. Honestly, my motto, and I got this from my mom, and I'm really glad that she instilled this in me growing up, is like everything in moderation. I don't limit myself on things. Like If I want the sour skittles, I eat the sour skittles but I won't eat the well I mean sometimes I might eat the whole bag but I really try to be you know cautious about how much I'm eating but I don't go crazy with like no carbs this many carbs this much fruit this much I really kind of just listen to my body um and see what it needs for the day I when I was growing up I had a friend whose mom was very strict about like health and I remember that they never had any sort of like candy, cookies, anything in the house. And my dad is like an Oreo fanatic. And we always had Oreos and candy and cookies and whatever, like just so much in the chips, you know, in the pantry. But I think because we had all of that available all the time, I never felt the need to like binge eat on any of it. But when my friend would come over because she never got that at her house, she would eat like the entire pack of Oreos. And I think that sometimes is where like the, the bad or like negative relationships come with food from is being like way too restrictive or like way too, I can only
1: eat healthy foods. So I would just say I really do everything in moderation. Um, and some days I'm better than others. Like some days
0: I eat junk all day. But I make up for it the next day with, like, I love a good juice. I have a juicer. Um, I'll do fresh juice. Sometimes I get lazy and I'll just buy it because it's quicker. Um, Like, Suja makes some good juices. Trader Joe's also has some that I buy. There's also a smoothie shop around the corner from my place called Creation. I'll go there and get smoothies
1: um, and juices from them. Uh, Supplements. I. I take um, what is the brand? I use
0: Hum. They have like a bunch of different um, supplements, and they just mail it to you. I have like um, what ones do I take? I take a vitamin C one. I take a hair one that has like it's biotin and zinc and B12. Um, that one I really like. I feel like it made a huge difference in my hair when I started using it. So I say, I suggest biotin to anyone if you want some healthy hair action. Sometimes I'll take like a a greens pill if I don't feel like I'm fully getting enough. I'm not really big on supplements. Really the biggest thing for me lately has been hydration. My entire life, I've been terrible at drinking water. My mom was always like, you have to drink water so bad at it. I just, I hate drinking water. Um, so I've been trying to be better about that. And then, uh, in Jesse Yarbrough's episode of my podcast from a couple weeks ago, she told me about electrolytes. And so I did a bunch of research on, should you be drinking electrolytes and are they good for you and whatever. And so I found a company that I really like. They have the least amount of sugar. Um, they're non GMO, they're vegan, they're, all the good things and they don't have fillers and stuff in them. So I've been using those and I had like, I've told, I think 10 people about it and they've all bought it and told me that it's amazing. It's noon. It's N-U-U-N for anybody who's interested. Um, not a promo. I don't, I've never branded with anybody. I just honestly keep telling people about this company because I instantly, you guys, instantly I felt the difference. When I started taking them, I have an entire drawer full of them. Now, there's also another one called Liquid IV that I heard good things about. But as far as like when it comes to food and staying healthy, moderation, I try to work out and be active. Um, Workouts, I do cardio. I go for walks. I'll run. I do, I've done P90X a billion times, T25, a lot of like beach body stuff because it's easy to just pop in and do when they're short. I also for a while was doing like a lot of weights. I honestly just switch it up based on how I'm feeling. I love Pilates. I love a good yoga class, a yoga sculpt. Um, I'm kind of all over the place when it comes to fitness, but I think I think that's kind of why I stay engaged is because I'm not always doing the same thing every day. Boxing, I love boxing. Um, I haven't been boxing in forever
1: though, but that's a really good one. Probably my favorite actually, or one of them. Let's see. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh my God. I have I have a lot of pet peeves. I don't
0: know if that's good or bad. And they're all ridiculous. Like the ones I'm about to tell everybody is going to be like, what the heck? Um, biggest pet peeve, corduroy. I can't stand corduroy. The texture of it, the look of it, it just makes me cringe. Also plastic buttons for whatever reason, I can't stand anytime I get like a cardigan or something that has, uh, like those big plastic buttons on, I cut them off immediately. It just, it's the same thing. It makes me like, ooh. another pet peeve I have is when people call air conditioning AC. I don't know why it just like, it's like nails on the chalkboard to my ears. Uh, when people name their cars makes me crazy. Again, I don't know why. I think that's the thing about pet peeves. It's like there's no real reason behind them, but those are just some of them. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Weirdo. What is your heart calling you to do in 2021? Oh, I love that question. I think really
0: just focus on on creating and how can I create and be creative to help other people? Um and to spread
1: that to the most people that I can. Um, yeah. To just make a difference, a positive impact for other people I think would be, is really, really the biggest one for me in whatever form that may come about. I don't know. don't know what that looks like yet, but I think, I think that. What is your quirkiest trait? Well, if you ask my sister who I live with,
0: she's probably has she probably has a list like a mile long, my quirkiest trait i do I do this thing when I get really cold wherever I'm at, if I'm in the kitchen, the bathroom like the hallway, wherever I don't care who's around, I will just run in place like really, really fast to try and create like heat in my body, <laughs> and it looks ridiculous and She makes fun of me for that one for sure, but it works. Like, if you're cold and like the heater's not on, or like you're somewhere, I mean, I don't know that I would do it in public, but definitely in my house all the time, I'll just like really start running in place, like high intensity running in place until I'm like out of breath, and then I'll be warm. Quirkiest trait, yeah, that's a quirky one, I think. The other thing I do, I don't know if this is a quirky trait, but like it could just be like an annoying sister thing is if I feel like I need attention, I'll go to my sister's room where she usually is and I'll stand in front of her mirror and I'll just make really weird faces at myself until she acknowledges me. I think she purposely ignores me to get me to stop, but I do that one a lot. I don't know if that's a quirky trait or just like an annoying sister thing for attention. I don't know. I find it funny. What is the craziest or most daring thing you've done? Hmm. I don't know that I would really consider myself to be like a crazy daring person. I don't have, like, I have zero desire to ever go skydiving or swim with sharks or anything like that. Like I'm good. I don't, I really don't need to do that.
1: But the craziest or most daring thing you've done, I think, and I've actually done this a lot, And I think other people would think this is maybe daring. I think I just don't
0: think before I do it. Um, And I've done this to numerous people. So like I said, I, for a while, worked at Urban Outfitters. I worked at the Urban Outfitters. That's in Studio City. And a lot of celebrities
1: come to that location. I had no idea. Um, And I remember one night...
0: um, Keegan Allen came into the store and I checked him out. He, I think he bought like some shirts or something. He played for anybody who doesn't recognize that name. He played Toby on Pretty Little Liars. And I think it was maybe they were still in production on Pretty Little Liars I remember. And this was towards the beginning of when I was I had just signed with um an agency and I was kind of really just stepping my foot into the acting world and he came in And I don't know what came over me, but uh, as I was checking him out, I was like, hey, I'm going to write down my phone number and give this to you, and can we please go to dinner and I I just want to talk to you about life. I don't even think I said acting. I was like, I just want to talk to you about life. And he looked at me like I was – not like I was crazy, but I think he was just shocked that I asked him that. And he was like, well, what time do you get off work tonight? And I was like 10. And he was like, meet me at um, Greenblatt's Deli in Hollywood at 11. I'll see you there. And I was like, what did I, ju- like, what did I just do? Um, but I really just wanted to talk to him. You're somebody who's like been on a show for years. Um, how did you get an agent? How did you get in? What did you, you know, tell me. And I didn't do it in like a I think the thing of why it's daring is because I never did it in a way of like, hey, I want to just like pick your brain about something. I always did it in a way that was just like genuine, like I wanted to get to know them and just like have a conversation. um and so I think that's why that worked out for me a lot. I did that with a lot of people. um, so I ended up, yeah, I met him at Greenblatts Deli. It's off of sunset, and, what is that street? I don't know. It's over by like I think the Laugh Factory. I think it's still there. Um we had tea. He ordered me green tea that night. But that was fun. I also did that another time when I was in college. I one of my friends had her mom had come to town and we went to dinner in Beverly Hills. I went with them. And Kyle Richards was sitting at the table next to us. And what restaurant were we? At? I think we were at like Villa Blanca or something which I think is one of the housewives restaurants. I don't know. I've never watched that show. But I think it I think it was. And Kyle Richards, uh, I knew had opened a store that was literally right down the street from where we were eating. I don't again, I don't know what came over me, but I grabbed, I had business cards at the time. I always had business cards. That's another thing. It's so funny. I was always giving people business cards. I grabbed a business card and I went over as we were leaving and I was like, hi, I am in school at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, I'm about to graduate with a degree in marketing. I would love to work for you. Um please call me. I specialize in like I think I listed off like store displays and da da da. And um she was very nice about it, but I did, I've done that a lot. I just like randomly either pitch myself to people or like just make friends with random people. I don't know if that's like daring, but I think I just have sometimes like I have a filter that doesn't I don't know. I just don't have a problem like going up to people, I guess, is what's daring. But I think some people are more hesitant about that. I don't even know if that answered the question. Like I said, I'm not a crazy or daring person. So to me that feels like maybe kind of the craziest thing. At least that I can think of right now. Um, what is your biggest strength, biggest weakness? Biggest strength, I would say I'm so organized and I remember everything. Um, and that is Really helpful. Like my brain has never let me down. I remember everything and I hate clutter. So always organized, always have my planner, always know what's going on. Biggest weakness. Um, I'm
1: impatient, super impatient, super, super impatient. Um, okay. And then this is the last question. Would you prefer to have plans or do you go with the flow? Hmm. I feel like I'm a good mix of both. I love structure. I love routine. But I'm also not like crazy neurotic about it. Like if the plan changes, I am okay with that. But I also do like having plans. I think it's just dependent upon the situation.
0: Like, um, like I know a lot of people when they go to Disneyland, they'll plan out every minute of the day of like, okay, we have to ride this ride. And then we have five minutes to go to the bathroom. And then you have 10 minutes to get a drink from this one restaurant. And then we're going to this. I am not like that at all. Like things like that. And like most things I'm like, yeah, like, let's just see what happens. But for like my day to day, I do like having structure and a schedule. It
1: just keeps me more on track. So I feel like both good combination of both. okay, that was a lot of questions. That was a lot of talking. Um,
0: I'm these questions that my friends sent are awesome. Thank you guys for sending these to me. I hope that something in there was sight is was insightful for you. <laughs> um, and that I hope like maybe if you didn't know that much about me, hopefully you know some more things about me now. Um I really do just want to create this like little community and um I want you to feel like you know me and can trust me and all the things and so this was important for me to do cuz I think when you open up to people um it just creates like a safe space and I love I love listening to other people open up and talk about their stories. So Hence this entire podcast and why I have every single person on
1: this podcast is to listen to their journeys. So with that being said, I
0: hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful week and I will see you next Tuesday.